Welcome to Global Truth Center. They live in you. So in that song, in case you didn't know, Mufasa is speaking to Simba. And he's explaining to Simba quantum physics. That is how Disney makes its quantum physics known in the world. And it's actually true. That is Mufasa letting Simba know that within his being is every part of the universe that has come before him. All of his ancestors, every person he's ever met, lives inside of this beautiful little lion cub. And that's to let, oh, it gets emotional. And that's to let that lion cub know that it is not just this tiny little speck in the world, it is the entire world in this tiny little cub. Or as Rumi would say, you are not a drop in the ocean, you are the entire ocean in a drop. So, last night, uh, my husband just turned 60, we were throwing him a surprise party yesterday, but when the night was over, I walked into the kitchen and our dearest, dearest friends and our hosts, Al and Marcy, had lit some candles. <sighs> because it was the last night of Passover and they happened to be Jewish, which is why they were celebrating Passover, in case you needed to know that. So they didn't just happen to go, oh, that would be fun, let's celebrate that. They've been doing it their whole life. And on the table were these candles. And they explained to me, this was Alan Marcy's parents. These were Al's parents. This was their cousin. This was Marcy's brother, who passed way too young. And then they asked me to stay because they had a candle for my daughter, Nora, which really touched me. But what they were really doing in that moment and what we do at this time of year, they were celebrating this very song that we just heard, they live in you. We're not celebrating someone that came way before us that's gone. We are celebrating that part of them that lives on in me, in you, in them. Because they do live in you. All of life lives in you. Ernest Holmes lives in you. Raymond Charles Barker lives in you. Phineas Quinby, go all the way back. Jesus lives in you. Buddha lives in you. Plato lives in you. Anybody earlier than that? The cavemen live in you. <laughs> Everything lives in us, right? So they were doing this prayer in Hebrew, which I, I didn't quite understand, but I didn't need to understand it because the emotion of it, the feeling. And Ernest Holmes says, the thing that really creates in your life is feeling. When you feel something, you are creating from that feeling. So last night, um, they reminded me this whole concept of they live in you, everything lives in you. And so I'm in the middle of teaching a quantum physics class right now, although we call it quantum metaphysics because it's about how do we take quantum science and use it for what Ernest Holmes taught. Because you know, Ernest Holmes taught this in 1926. And I don't think that brilliant man really knew what he was teaching. He just knew the truth, but he couldn't explain it. He couldn't tell you why it was true. He just felt it. And for many years, that was enough. Why is this true? Because I feel it. 
I just know it. But nowadays, there are a lot of students that as soon as you as a teacher, right, Dr. Laura, as soon as you say, it's just something you know, they're like, no, how do you prove it? They want to know. What's the science behind this? But here's the good news. Ernest Holmes says in the top of the textbook, he says, there will come a day when science and religion walk hand in hand. Guess what? That day has come. Science and religion are walking hand in hand because quantum physics is starting to explain what Ernest Holmes said all these years ago. And basically, what Ernest Holmes said and quantum physics is saying now is, Ingwinyama, Ingwinyama Bala, they live in you. Disney knew it all along. And that's how it works. But I'm going to read for you a little quote from Paul Levy's book, Quantum Revelation. He says this, once connected to each other, there are no longer two independent wave functions. He's talking about who we are. We are energy. That's all we are. We're energy. We're waves and matter and particles in space. All of it makes up who we are. So he says, once connected to each other, there are no longer two independent wave functions, but one which encompasses both quantum entities forever. And then he says, after their interaction into each one another's lives, part of themselves with the other leaves behind traces on each other. So I just want you to think for a moment, who are the shoulders that you've stood on your whole life? Who are the people in your life that maybe have left, maybe are no longer present in reality, but who have left traces on your heart, traces on your soul, that have left you in a much better place because they lived. Because guess what? Right now, they live in you. Not only do they live in you as a romantic notion, they live as you. Their traces are right there inside of you. My daughter, I miss her every day, but I'm with her every day. She could not be more present in my life if you were standing right here with me which if she were alive today, she'd probably want to be standing right here with me, correcting everything I say, because that was our relationship. She liked to catch me. So as much as I want to talk about Ernest Holmes and certainly quantum physics and the inspiration of life, I have a personal story to share. Um, so today is April 4th, and it is Easter Sunday. The last time it was April 4th, and Easter Sunday at the same time was in 2010. And in 2010, the week right before, or a couple weeks right before Easter was coming, I was diagnosed with stage four cancer. And I was told, your life is gonna change, you have, to do you have to give up everything you're doing and just focus on your health. But first I had to tell the congregation. I had to somehow tell my church in 2010, on April 4th, exactly 11 years ago from today, this exact time of day, I had to explain to them that their senior minister, their spiritual leader, had come down with stage four cancer. Not even just cancer. It couldn't just be like, oh, you have cancer. No, stage four cancer. And they said, this was March, leading into April, and they said, you have until August. I first thought they meant you have until August to figure out what to do. They meant you have until August before. Bye-bye. You're done. And so there was a lot to do. My husband and I had a lot to do. But the big moment was when I had to reveal it to the congregation. And I kept putting it off, putting it off. And suddenly it's Easter. And I was like, how do I do it on Easter? But I had to. 
because on April 5th, I was about to have my first surgery. And then there was no, then there was no guessing. Then it was like, what happened? So on Easter Sunday, I got up, and I know some of you were there, and some of you out there were there. I got up, and I decided that if I told them that I had stage four cancer, no one would hear anything for the rest of the service. It would be done, and everybody would just be like, oh my God. So I told them a story, and I said to them, I said, I met a man this week, and I talked about meeting this man, and then I told them everything that was happening to me. And they all sat there like you're sitting there like, oh, that's, oh, great, oh yeah. What did you tell him? And I said, and I told him, hangnail cancer, it's all the same thing. We don't live in a relative world, folks. We live in the absolute. And they're all doing great, and they're all like, yeah, we get it. Because at that moment, it was just philosophy. It was information. It wasn't connected to anyone. And at the end of it, I said, now, I don't want to make you feel like I have misled you, but the man I'm talking about is me. Gasp. Giant gasp. And I went, and that's why I didn't tell you. Because the last thing I wanted was sympathy or, or sadness. Because what did we talk about earlier? Everything that goes through your mind and body is a prayer of some sort. It, is, will, it will move into the realm of demonstration. So I was able to say, guys, just because it's me now doesn't change anything I just said. And then I started my journey. And today's talk is not about my journey, but it is about when I, I think it was Reverend Jonathan Zenz, one of my ministerial students who's doing amazing work in the world, um, told me, he said, you know, the next time, Easter was on April 4th, you had quite a day, and I hadn't realized it. And at the time, I talked about rising above it. My talk that day was called Rise Above It, because I had met a woman in the doctor's office, a little woman, dynamite, a little woman who was probably 80, and she had cancer. And the doctor had asked me, what was I going to talk about that Sunday? And he went in. I said, I'm going to do a thing called rise above it. Rise above everything that's going on in your life. Be done with trying to live in this world of trying to fight and struggle. Rise above it and watch how it unfolds. So he went into the next room and told this woman what I was going to talk about. And as I was coming out of my office, she saw me. She went, Reverend, rise above it. And she had no voice. And she was like, rise above it. And I heard her say it to me. And I just lost it. I was like, we will both rise above it. And, um, and she did very well. She, she lived for a number of years after that, which they didn't expect her to. So that's part of the message today about rising above it. And our month's theme is all about that. It is all about rising above and rising above whatever's going on. So the next year or so was very, very difficult, very hard to deal with. And... Um, brought a lot of changes in my life. Changes that were really important. Really, really important. Um, so 11 years later, where are we now? What are we doing now? What happens 11 years later? Well, you know, I was talking to Reverend Jonathan and he said, you know, he's gonna give a talk today, probably right now, called Rise. Resurrection is spiritual revolution. So there's a spiritual revolution going on. Did anybody know that? Anybody in this room know that? Yes? a spiritual revolution going on. Now, here's the thing. Ernest Holmes was a revolutionary, wasn't he not? Jesus was a revolutionary because it was all about love. Martin Luther King was a revolutionary. There have been revolutionaries, and there are right now, through all of time and history. 
What is a revolutionary? It's someone who wants to rise above whatever is going on and see the truth. Regardless, the Jews, the exodus out of Egypt, that was revolutionaries saying, we are no longer going to sit here in slavery and be who you ask us to be. We are going out to find our true selves. And they went out. Jesus tried and the world crushed him. But how funny. I've always, always thought to myself, who is Jesus's press agent? Because you know, he's had a long run. He's done really well with his press because he passed away and then came back. So when I think of resurrection, I just think of the spirit that Jesus is coming back and for thousands of years having the most prominent imprint and leaving his trace on every one of our hearts, no matter what religion you are a part of. So Jesus was a revolutionary. We are spiritual revolutionaries. But what I'm realizing now, I'm done fighting the world. You know, I used to be a rebel without a cause. Oh, no, I was a rebel with a cause. I found lots of causes to rebel against. And people have always called me a rebel and someone that always, you know, a renegade, someone that never wants to do things the way they're being asked to do it. And, and I, I own up to that. I get it. Um, the title of my talk today, however, is... That's not the title of my talk. The title of my talk, William, is In Your Reflection. So... In Your Reflection um, is one of the lyrics from They Live in You. And I feel that the only revolution now that I am interested in, the one I am really fully committed to, is the revolution within me, inside of me. I have fought, I have struggled, I have tried to... And how many control freaks do we have here? Oh, really? I know a lot of you. So, I'm trying so hard to be done with that. I mean, I, I just, you know, I'm a director, I'm a writer, I'm an actor, I'm a dancer, I'm a singer, I'm a composer, and it's, sometimes it's hard because you want to make everything work the way you want it to work. But the real, real struggle is, is within each of us. So there, in your reflection, in you is every person that has ever come before you. And in you is also your true self. And I think for you and me, what we're doing in this world right now is showing the world how to remember who they are. And our job is to rise up above all of the relative things in our lives. So I want you to ask yourself a question. What, what is going on in your life right now? Just think, what's going on in your life that you perhaps need to rise above? I'll wait. What are you thinking of? Like, what's going on? Did you just move your whole life into another house that you don't even own yet? That's possible. Are you having a baby? Anybody in this room having a baby? <laughs> that you know of? <laughs> Whatever. Whatever is going on in your life that seems so important. Don't they seem important too when these things are going on? Oh my God, it's the most important thing in the world. And yet, it's not. And that thing in you, the reflection inside of you, I'm going to ask you a really important question, which is this. What do you see when you look in the mirror? What do you see when you look in the mirror? Do you really see yourself? 
Do you see your ancestors? Do you see everybody in your life right now? What do you see when you look in the mirror? I'm going to say, I don't think you see everything that you should be seeing. I don't think you see your beauty enough. I don't think you see your wisdom enough. I don't think you see your strength enough. I don't think you see God, whatever version of God you aspire to. I don't think you really see what is there in your reflection. When Mufasa is singing this to Simba, and he sings, in your reflection, in you, you. It's not just theory, folks. We've got to move beyond the textbook and, and, and the words. And we've got to move beyond the theory, and we've got to move into who we are. We've got to take all that came before us, all the traces, all the words, all the ideology, all of the philosophy, and put it in our bodies so that we are walking earth as the reflection of God because it's who we are. And we have got to stop being distracted. I feel sometimes like we're just like Jesus. They just took us off the cross. And just so you know, if anyone's timing this, I played Jesus. I played Jesus twice. Now, that's a joke for Global Two Center in Palm Desert, who are much more respectful, by the way. Um, <laughs> at Global Two Center, they wait. They used to have, there was this thing that happened once where there were a bunch of people in my congregation who had a, a lottery going on. And they would sell tickets to a lottery, and they'd all say, how long into my talk before I would mention a Broadway reference? And then, and I finally caught it one day. I'm, I said something about Broadway, and I saw like all these arms go up. And I was like, oh my God, am I talking forever? So the next day I asked my assistant, at, not reverend at the time, Jonathan Zenz, I said, so everybody kind of looked at their watch when I mentioned uh, West Side Story. By the way, I did that too. Um, and Jonathan was like, oh, there's a lottery to see how long it takes for you. So the following week, I gave a talk with nothing. I didn't have one reference. And at the end of my talk, I said, I guess I win the lottery today, because I bet zero. And that ended. So where was I? I played Jesus <laughs> in Jesus Christ Superstar. But I have to tell you, I played Jesus the first time, and I had a great time doing it. The second time I did it, I had just spent the summer with Eric Butterworth, and I'd gone on a retreat with him. And I was playing Jesus, and I was trying to embody Jesus. Now, the funny part is, the first time I played Jesus, I got spectacular reviews. The second time I played Jesus, they said I played him like, a, like a, 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 an L.A. hippie in, in, in uh, flip-flops. I was like, how dare you? But I really thought to myself, no, I played Jesus correctly this time. I wasn't acting. I was actually being the love that he was. And I remember falling onto the ground after the lepers tore me apart. And Mary starts singing, I don't know how to love him, and I just sobbed because I realized I didn't know how to love Jesus anymore either. I didn't know how to love this thing that he brought us to understand. Well, that was 20-some-odd years ago. So 11 years later now, after that day I had to talk about having cancer, I actually understand Jesus better than I ever understood Jesus. And I am so excited to say that 
the concept of rising above and raising from the dead, there's good stuff in there for us to learn because some of us are walking around like the dead. We are walking, walking around attracted and attached to things, going back to our Buddhist selves. We are attached to this world that we think is so real. And in the quantum field, it's not. It's just energy. So it's our job, your job, and my job to be willing to, as Mary talked about, push away the boulders. And I honestly think it was Mary Magdalene that pushed those boulders away. I do. I, remember when Dr. Joe gave the talk, move the rock, Mary. I think that was the title of his talk. Yeah, it was. He called me and went, what do you think of that title? I was like, try it. <laughs> Get back to me how they responded. Um, but I loved that concept. He was like, well, James, obviously. All those apostles were drunk from, from whatever was going on. Mary was the only one awake enough to go push the rock away. I said, yeah, that makes perfect sense. But for you, how many rocks are still there that's hiding who you are? I think the gift of Easter this year is really all about learning to see the true reflection of you in the mirror. At this point in your life, it does you no good to play small. It does you no good to identify with your problems. It does you no good to live in the past. It also does you no good to live in the future. In the quantum realm, there is only the present. This is where the power is. This is where the love is. This is where the energy is. This is where it all is. He lives in you. They live in you. I live in you, and you live in me. That's what we are here to learn. That's what we're here. The only thing we ever need to learn is that right where I am, God is, and so is that is true for you, and you, and you, and you, and you, all of us. If we can make it through this mortal coil, if we can make it through these 120 years, which is what I'm aiming for, although people say I'm, I'm, I'm probably should go a little further just in case, because you don't know what we're going to learn. I could be here for 200 years. I'll be standing right here talking about West Side Story. Um, <laughs> if we can make it all the way through our lives and come to one understanding, I will tell you what that understanding will be because my husband's probably the greatest person at this. We will understand that love is the only thing that matters. Love only. If you can look in the mirror and see only love, not see how much weight did you gain, how many wrinkles are on your face, what's coming on, what's happening, how's my hair? Well, the hair's fine. How's all the things? Whatever you look at and see, it is time for us to see something else in your reflection. So that when you look in the mirror, all you see is God. And you start from there. And you move from there. And you live from there. And you feel all of our ancestors. And you feel Jesus and Moses. And you feel Plato. And you feel Ernest Holmes and Dr. Joe and Dr. Tom. Everybody who has ever, ever inspired you in any way. They are here inside of you right now. They live in you. And you know where they live in you? In your reflection. So I charge you this month, as you rise above everything in your life, 
to look directly into your eyes as much as possible this month and see what there is to see. I guarantee you, you have barely scratched the surface. Namaste. Hi, this is Dr. James Mellon, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of my Sunday message and ask you for your support. Your tax-deductible donation to Global Truth Center ensures that we can continue to provide you with this form of inspiration each week. To make a contribution now, please visit our website at globaltruthcenter.org. Again, thanks for listening. Namaste.